This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Weekdays at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. What up, folks? Welcome to the Paul Gallant Show. No Gallant today. I'm filling in. It's your boy, Michael Bumpus. Thanks for taking some time. If you were just listening to the Danny and Gallant Show, you had Mike Salk there filling in for Paul Gallant as well. Pete Carroll was on. Today is the last day of camp. He gave us a little snippet about how he's feeling. It's gone so far. Let's play that sound more. Really, we culminate today with the uh, the, the specialist won the uh, the doubles tourney uh, shoot off. So uh, that was a big deal today. Um, they knocked down the linebackers and, and the tight end. So it was a good win for the for the specialist in the, in the shoot off. Um, camp has gone great. Uh, just a lot of really crisp work. A really impressive uh, beginning for uh, Shane uh, with his guys on the offensive side. Um, Russ and Shane have really been on it, and that they have to lead the charge, and they've been very connected, and very so it's been a really tight execution for those guys. Um, defense has done really well. Um, it's been fun to see the young guys. What's different about this camp than other camps is uh, beca- uh, because of the way the, it was formatted, the uh, the rookies got a lot of work, and so our rookies are by far the, far, the furthest along they've ever been at this time of year. There it is. The silver lining. The rookies got a lot of work because those veterans didn't show up. And I think that's okay. I think the veterans are allowed to pick and choose where they want to show up if things are not mandatory. These guys are professionals. They know how to get their body going. So the plus side, these rookies got a lot of reps. He says these rookies are further along than he's ever seen a rookie class. There's a plus. Now you listen to Pete Carroll talk. He's always upbeat. He is always positive. The offense looks good. The defense looks good. So we can cheer, right? We can rejoice. We can settle down. No worries. We know that this offseason has been a little tricky with guys showing up, guys not showing up. Is this team going to be prepared? That's a lot of what the 12s I've been asking um, them. These veterans not going to this camp. Is this going to affect the results or the offense, the defense, how they look when it comes to September? I don't think so. I think that this team is full of veterans who understand what they need to get their body going. So they're good to go. Pete Carroll sounds like he's good to go. So that means I'm good to go. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. You know, we're going to forget about these days. I promise you we're going to forget about these days because I really feel like this offense and defense has way too many veterans not to be successful early. Now, if they come out and they start slow, that's when we're going to start hearing all the rumbles about they should have done this, they should have done that. Let me remind you. All right. The other teams are preparing as well. This is a professional football league. There's going to be battles week in and week out. You can only expect a blowout once or twice. And we all know if you are the Seahawks, you shouldn't expect blowouts anyway because they keep it tight. They keep it close. All right. Here's my question for you guys today. Jamal Adams, should he be paid according to his position or according to how valuable he is to this football team? How do you pay your players? Now, the the process has usually been, all right, well, who's the best safety in the league? Buda Baker, what did he get paid? Let's just pay him a bit more than that. If I'm Jamal Adams, I'm looking at this situation, I'm like, look, man, yeah, I'm the best safety in the league, but I also do some things that safeties don't do. What do you guys think? Should he be on that pay scale with Buda Baker and save the team some money, or should he demand and request a really big payday? More duly. If you are making the decisions, are you paying Jamal like a safety? Or are you just paying him just according to his value and what he brings to the table? Well, I think you start out trying to pay him like a safety, right? <laughs> as much as, as, 
much as we know that he's a great player, I think that's definitely where you start. Um, I really don't know that the Seahawks can afford, you know, to yeah. pay him like one of the best defensive players in the league, twenty million dollars, like Ramsey's making. Uh, I think that would end up being a bit of a battle if they have to go that route. Yeah, it's um, it's all about respect, right? You can't lowball the man and say, look, we're going to pay you $12, $13 million a year when clearly he's one of the best in the league. You got to start at Buda Baker. Someone has to change the trend. Maybe it's him. Now, Pete Carroll talked about Jamal Adams and Dwayne Brown. Everyone's concerned. Are they going to sign these guys? Here's what Pete had to say about that. You shouldn't be sweating it out. Um, we're communicating really well with all of our guys. We have a number of guys that, that are, you know, come up on their last year of their contract, and that's always in consideration and discussion. So that's, that, that's an ongoing process. John has, has always dealt with that. Uh, Jamal's situation, you know, when we made the big trade for him, we had planned to, for this, this negotiation to happen, uh, to, to, you know, to lock him up for a long time. He's a young man, young player with a huge hit, uh, future ahead of him. And so this was always in the works. So that's the thing we're focusing on now. Uh, you know, and, and all of that is going well. And I'm not going to go any deeper than that, but it's going well, and we're communicating it at a, at a good clip. So uh, I really anticipate that that should get worked out. And, and uh, um, you know, we love what he's brought to our team in, in the short or just one year and looking forward to a, a long future with him. This is what I heard. Going well, communicating, going to get done, long future. Now, you hear those words, you should be excited. That should make you rest easy at night. I think they're going to get this done. They realize they have to get these deals done. Dwayne Brown is the best offensive lineman that the Seahawks have. Jamal Adams is arguably the best defensive player that they have. No denying what these two guys bring to the table when it comes to production and just leadership as well. Dwayne Brown, 35, 36 years old, big ups, 80s babies, still in the league. Let's get it. No denying what he brings to the table when it comes to leadership and consistency. And Jamal just brings a whole different type of fire to this defense. You need these guys on your team to be successful this year. If these deals were not, didn't get done, then I would be worried. But all signals say it's about to go down. No worries at all. Now, I want to talk about these M's. M's lost last night, but I'm not going to focus on the loss. We expect wins and losses with this ball club. Now, yesterday, JP stole second base. Got there in time in my book, looked like it. Then they go to replay. They see that his body was off the bag for a fraction of a second, and then he was initially called safe. Now he's called out. This is bugging me. Now, I'm, I'm all for a replay. I think you have to change with the times. you got to kind of get with the times and, and evolve, and games are evolving, and use this technology. But in something like that, you just let it go. I heard uh, Danny in the Danny Galan show earlier say, look, his body was off the back for a fraction of a second. He beat the throw there. He beat the throw there. So his body popped up for a fraction of a second. By the rule, he should have been called out. But in reality, we're talking about reality, real time. There's no way the human eye can see that. Is that helping the game or is this hurting the game when it comes to replay? Jared DePoto was on the show on the Danny Gallant show just a few minutes ago. If you weren't there, they had a great show. They had DePoto. They had Pete Carroll. Um, he talked about... J.P. Crawford, and how rare he is, it is to find an elite defender and an average hitter. Uh, you'd have to I'd say that. It's, it's what he's done really dating back to the start of last year. is you know He's evolved into one of the real two-way shortstops in the game. And you know, while the offense might not always be as gaudy as the big stars, you know, the Bogarts and the, the Correas and the Tatis, you know, it, it's rare to find an elite defender who is an above-average offensive player, and and JP is evolving into that. 
He's evolving. At the beginning of this season, if you would have said JP would probably be the best overall player on this ball club, I would have said, no, sir, I don't think that's going to happen. But that's why there's a process to this. That's why you sit and you're patient and you wait and you develop. And that's what we're seeing out of JP. We already know his glove is tight. Now the bat is getting going. Let's keep the good times rolling when it comes to JP. All right, now it's time for What's Trending, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air. All right, well, gosh, we're already, we're normally done with this segment by now. We got started a little late since Pete Carroll was on late with Danny and Gallant, but um, I wanted to play some sound for you of Tyler Lockett yesterday talking about the offense under Shane Waldron. And something that stood out to me, I'd like to get your opinion as a receiver, that they they want to work a little bit on their short and intermediate passes to kind of make the offense more balanced. You know, a lot of teams haven't really seen us go short. A lot of teams were trying to force us to go short, and we did, and we wanted explosives and stuff like that. But, I mean, truth be told, the explosive part of it is not going to change. It's just the fact that we're going to learn how to be a lot more balanced to where whatever teams decide to give us, that's what we're going to take teams decide to play us deep then we're going to take everything short and we're going to be able to run our offense all the way down the field and control the clock if teams try to take the short stuff away we're going to go deep i like it it sounds like they're going to do what we uh, say back where i'm from they're going to do everything during duly everything they're going to do it going to pass it deep <laughs> short intermediate i like it i'm a huge fan of the quick game i love the quick game because it gets the full bottle of russell's hands quickly it gets you three to five yards it's almost like a run People are so in love with the deep ball, and I understand it. It looks sexy. You throw it 30, 40 yards down the field, big plays, all good. But to keep an offense going on third and short, second and short, even first and 10, man, get that quick game going, bites everybody up. I love the way Tyler Lockett is speaking. He sounds like his head coach. When you hear players and coaches using the same language, the same vibe. They're on the same page. That means everyone's working together. Let's hope this continues. All right, well, Garrett Cole pleaded with the MLB to work with pitchers on the banned substances crackdown. I think we have audio for that. We are aligned in, in a lot of areas with the commissioner's office on this, and please just please just talk to us. Please just work with us. I know you have the hammer here, but we've been living in a gray area for so long. Um I would just hate to see players get hurt. I would, I would hate to see balls start flying at people's heads. I had a really tough time gripping the baseball tonight, uh, especially early when it was windy. So I don't really care to be inflammatory here, Joel. I just, uh, so I'm just going to leave it at that. Wah, wah, wah. Please work with us. I, I, you know, I, I have no sympathy. I have no sympathy. I understand that this has been going on in the MLB for a hundred years. Pitchers have always been manipulating the ball when it comes to getting a grip on it. I understand all of that, but the games change. That's just how it is. It's almost like if we feel sorry for these pitchers, then you got to feel sorry for these defenders in the NFL. You can't even blink at a QB without getting a flag. You can't breathe on them too hard. And I feel like making an adjustment in the NFL when it comes to hitting a man when you're running full speed is a bit different than when you're talking about gripping a baseball. Now, I do understand I'm an athlete or a former athlete. I'm old now, three kids, a wife, things have changed. All right, But I was an athlete, and I understand that you get used to a certain feel. You get used to a certain routine. I understand that. But the fact that these guys have basically been cheating for years, and he's asking for sympathy, I just don't roll with it. 
I understand it was part of the game. It's part of tradition. It's gone on forever. And unfortunately, these guys are the ones who have to make the adjustments. It's almost like these seniors in high school this year work all their their lives to play sports, and now they have that COVID season, and they have to adjust. Everyone adjusted this year. Pitchers, you get paid a lot of money, especially if you're really good. Just switch it up. It's all good, man. Just just switch it up. There's going to be an adjustment period. You're going to lose some velocity. You might lose some spin rate. rate. I understand all of that, but... Stop breaking the rule. Can't do it. You guys been breaking the rules for a long time. And it's all about offense. That's what people don't understand. The NFL, it's all about offense. They want to see points scored. MLB, it's all about offense. They want to see the ball in play. If leagues are not producing a lot of offensive scores, runs, productions, they are going to make changes. That's just how it is, Cole. You just got to get over it. All right, I am sorry. All right, so what do you guys? I'm going to the text lines. You guys tell me, how do you feel? About one, Jamal Adams. Should he be paid according to his value as a safety or his value to the football team? More Dooley pointed out something good. Like, look, man, we can't pay the guy $20 million. There's a, there's a salary cap. Um, we understand that. But you, we also can't be disrespectful, right? We also can't lowball the man. Me, personally, I think that you make him the highest paid safety and you put a little extra on it. A little extra, maybe some incentives in the contract, um, something that really makes them feel like you're going above and beyond. You can't break, break the break. Excuse me, break the bank. It's simple as that. You can't spend what you don't have. I understand that, but you also want to make this guy feel like he's important to this ball club, which I think he feels that way. He was able to miss camp. Coach ain't tripping. Pass and say, look, man, it's all good. You do what you have to do. We understand the situation. There has to be some back and forth going on right now. All right. Let's go to the text lines, all right? What do we have right here? All right, the 425, that's a horrible use of replay, especially when they still can't consistently call balls and strikes. I like that. I like that. Horrible use of a replay. I think when it comes to checking to see if a guy um, stayed on the base when he was stealing, that's just too much. It's just too much. It's like watching the NBA, and they're looking the last minute to see who touched the ball last. It's like it barely hit your fingertips. Just let the human error continue. I think that you make it more complicated with replay because if a ump, ump calls or referee calls a play, even if you don't like it, you just deal with it. You move on. Some things were just meant to be. Let it go. Okay. What else we got here? Uh, but get used to automation. Automated strike zone next year with impaired ha- hey, well, umpires having earpiece. I kind of like the automated strike zone, but then I don't. Like, what are the umps going to do? Like, uh, there's no umps anymore. They're just going to stand there and, and, and look cute. Like, hey, we're, <laughs> we're taking jobs away from umps if we get the automatic, automated strike zone. I don't know if I like that. Dooley, how would you feel about watching a, a baseball game and the umps aren't calling strikes or balls? I mean, I guess they have an earpiece and they're being told what it is, but we're losing the human effect. What do you think about that? Yeah, that, w- that would be weird. I, I- feel like we could get there eventually but I, I don't know sometimes you almost like you know sometimes you like them with the wrong calls when they're on your side right like it's yeah. part of the game yeah right there, there are a couple times where you know I'll use my son's game for a minute all right son's game balls out of bounds clearly on the other team we get the ball we don't say nothing we just keep it pushing I like human error I like human error let's not make this this whole life um robots and automated and all that stuff all right Coming up next on the most interactive sports show in all the land, I'm going into the sports pit with no other than the Gras right here on the Paul Gallant Show. It's 1030. 
And that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going to, you're going to fail. With Paul Gallant. Welcome back to the Paul Gallant Show. No Paul Gallant. Michael Bump is filling in for my guy. And I'm going into the sports pit with the godfather himself, the Graz. How we doing, man? Bump City, what's going on today? You know, I, I'm doing okay, Graz. Before we get into it, I have to um, say something to the people because I'm a big Lakers fan and I was talking a lot of stuff before the playoffs started. Yes, we are out. Yes, the Suns got us. Moving on. I just have to put that out there because I, I talk about the Lakers a lot. So when we take an L, Graz, I got to take it like a man, take it on the chin, and let the people know. I hear you. Why don't you just feel some, some ex-Sonic love? Why not some Nate McMillan love today? Nate McMillan. I'm with it. Let's do it. Nate McMillan love today. Graz. Now, the question I ask the people, I go, look, man, we had JP, stole second base last night, uh, beat the throw, but kind of came off the bag for a split second. Replay called him out. Do you feel like replay should be used in that situation? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of what it is. What it's got to be used for is, is if, if, if guys slide off the bag or not. If it's a home run, uh, you know what what they've got it for. So it's frustrating when it's just for just a little split second. But uh, if it's not for that, what's it for? And what's it for? Right? Rules are rules. I, I understand that. My thing is, I like the human element. Right? I like when umps get it wrong. I like when they get it right. I just oh, I like well, the you're like me, man. You're old school. <laughs> hey, yeah, old, old school. school. I, I I I would go. I would happily happily go back to a world where we didn't have cameras. We didn't we didn't send everything to instant replay where the game is just played on and and um, you know human error was part of the equation, especially in baseball that worked out. All right, Graz. Now you say you're old school. Now there's some stuff going on with the pitchers and manipulating the grip on the baseball. Are you mm-hmm. old school enough to say leave those pitchers alone, or are you with the new wave saying let let's clean the game up and get rid of all that stuff? You know, this is such a such a messed up story because it's it's more than just you know a, a reaction to a reaction. You know what what pitchers and, and there's some of them are talking about it, Mike. Today is that you know this is a reaction to baseball changing the baseball, changing the ball itself. Major League Baseball's got to deal with the guys that make the baseballs, so every year they're making them a little bit differently. And uh, the, this year's ball is not flying as far as it seems to be the, the general the general consensus, and it had a slippery coating on it. It was harder to hold. So baseball has got a lot of rules they, they wink and nod at and, and let go. You know, kind of let, let pitchers have a little bit of leeway on it. Well, then it got to a point where no one can hit anything anymore. Guys are throwing curveballs like cartoon, like you can throw it in, in video games. And all of a sudden, they're going to start penalizing those guys for doing that. So it, it's, it's, not, it's not a black and white issue per se. But uh, I remember the late, great Dave Henderson telling me, uh, in baseball, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So, you know, part of the game is trying to get a little edge and trying to make a little something happen. And, uh, look, I think, that the, I think that baseball, as usual, kind of overreacted to the circumstance. They, they, they're going to have their change made. But it's, you know, when you, when you peel through the layer of just, hey, these guys are cheating and we got to crack down, and you look at the underlying cause, which is the fact that they have been changing the makeup of the baseball year after year after year uh, to adjust to the game, you can't not expect pitchers to adjust. So, it's uh, it's 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 a little it's a little gray in an area where baseball doesn't want you to believe that it is gray. You know, Graz, you just reminded me of that old saying: for every action, there is a reaction. So the reaction of the MLB yeah. changing the ball is like 
the pitchers are like, look, I got to get a grip on this thing. It's going to slip out of my hands. And I got sweaty hands, Ross. Like, I couldn't imagine playing in July in Atlanta when it's humid, your hands are sweaty. That, that ball is going to get away from you. So I understand why they are manipulating it. But it's almost like the bag rule we just talked about. The rule is the rule, right? You can't manipulate it. You can't manipulate it. These guys are the first generation to kind of get called out for it. Now, what about the timing of this thing? Do you think they should have done it right in the middle of the season? Or is it something that they kind of sweep under the rug and then should have addressed it the following season? Well, they should have addressed it before the season started. When they were changing the ball and, and, and guys were noticing that the ball was slick, they should have adjusted it then. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's pretty unfair to put in such draconian, how about that for a big word? I like such that. draconian measures <laughs> the midway point in the season, and you got to have pitchers now try and change on the fly after throwing 100 or so innings what, what they're doing. And you've already had one guy say that he thinks he hurt his arm by trying, trying to change his grip already. So I, I just, uh, like, like, unfortunately, many things with, with, with baseball – they, they tend to, to – the reaction tends to make things worse at times, and, and this may be one of those. I mean, they, they clearly, though, Michael had to do something. I, I think that, you know, that they, they didn't want the game to have no offense at all, which is what it was looking like. So um, they had to do something, but I think they may have overreacted. It's all about the offense, right? If runs are being scored, if touchdowns, touchdowns are being scored, they will make some changes. Now, I got a question from the 360 Grouse. It says, Grouse, what's your most memorable game you either called or covered Home or on the road? That's from Fred. Huh. Most memorable game. Well, called and covered are two different things because calling a game is um, um, that's that's a I never had a chance to call much more than than some NBA games and and um, a lot of fun college football games with Division two college football games and a lot of fun Seattle U basketball games. Um, but but covered. Geez, I, I had a chance to when I was a kid. Covered the Stanley Cup Finals. I covered three Muhammad Ali fights. You know, technically I had wow. press passes, so so I was covering them. I mean, that was that was spectacular. I was at the game where Reggie Jackson hit the three home runs uh, on on three straight first pitches in, in the '76 World Series. That was amazing. Just here in Seattle, um, just thinking about Game Seven against uh, Utah and, and the Sonics playing to go yeah. to their their second NBA Finals was amazing. The '95 Mariners. I was doing post game, so I was covering pre and post game. So I was covering that team all along, and and Game Five there was just absolutely spectacular. So, boy, I've been I've been lucky to to, to cover and see a lot uh, over my long, long, long <laughs> years in the business. Great wealth of knowledge from the Gras. Now you you just said you've covered a lot of games. Um, you've seen a lot of games. This off season for the Seahawks has been a bit different. Uh, the mm. veterans didn't show up for these voluntary workouts. What was your overall feel for that? Were you one of the guys who were like, look, these guys need to be here. They need to be with their teams. Or are you on the side of, look, they're professionals. They know how to get themselves ready. Just let them do their thing. You're going to find me on the, on, the, on the wrong side of this with most people because I thought last year proved that the incredible amount of off-season stuff that they do is unnecessary. And that includes, you know, no preseason. They went out and played. You know what, Bump? It looked like football to me. Yeah. Looked just like football to me, just like the football <laughs> I'm used to watching. So uh, I just I, – I, I do not read a whole lot into stuff that happens at minicamp at all. 
I do not read a whole lot into into guys having to be there to, to be successful uh, come September, October. I, you know, I understand when you try. You know, look, look the big story last year was going to be that you weren't going to be able to work young players and rookies in because yeah. they weren't getting any OTAs, they weren't getting any mini camps, they weren't getting any any games, and they played fine. We had some rookies who played big, so uh, you know they're, they're continuing to insist that they need all these activities. I, for one, like I say, I'm way off on an island on this one. Uh, I don't think they need nearly as much as they're doing. Now I'm with you, Roz, and you made a great point. Last year was a great example. Scoring was up, and then the defense kind of leveled things out later in the season. Yeah, great rookie performances from guys like Justin Jefferson, who had like 1,300 yards receiving. You don't necessarily need all that time together. Now here's another good question I got from the text lines, Roz. 253 says, hey, Gross, would you rather have the Mariners win their first World Series or have the Sonics come back? You know, Bump, I am unreasonably bitter. I'm I'm like the bitter old man yelling kids to get off his lawn when it comes to the NBA. (laughs) I'm still so upset that they left here in the the circumstance that they left here. I I haven't been able to get over it. And and, and when I watch the NBA game now, this is part of why I'm – why it gets to me? I don't. I don't find myself enjoying it as much anymore. It just seems like a like a jump shooting, no defense playing league at all. I actually watched Game Five of the of the Sonics Bulls uh, championship series in '96 and watched contact and watched teams play defense and yeah. and watched how different the game was and realized that's the game that I like the most. So I'm thinking I'm answering your question. I, I would gladly take the end of 20 years of drought in the Mariners' first World Series over the return of the Sonics, even though I know that has me out on another island. <laughs> it's lonely out here on Graz Island. It's lonely on Graz Island. Don't worry, I'll meet you there. I got a rowboat. I can meet you there, Graz. Um, last question I got for you, Graz. Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll. Uh, it seemed like offseason they were on different pages. Russell comes on camera and says, look, just want to let you guys know we are still friends. Do you think that was genuine or is it just a business move? Let's just let the people know that we're still moving forward as a unit. Does anyone think it was genuine? I, I, it seemed forced to me, Gross. It seemed forced. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it, it, it's it's done for the can. Look, by the way, that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. Yeah, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it being forced and wanting people to believe that that you're on the same page. That's that's a smart thing to do, whether you are or whether you aren't. But um, in, in my opinion, that 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 wasn't particularly genuine. And I don't, you know, repeating myself here to a degree, I don't believe it's very important that it would be or wouldn't be when it comes to wins and losses. So they'll work together. They have no choice. And, um, and you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Like I said, Bump, I think that, that uh, you know, Russell Wilson has, has changed his relationship with a big chunk of the fan base here. And we'll see what that sounds like uh, with, with crowds coming back to the football games this year. We shall see. Graz Island, there it is. Graz, I appreciate you taking time out of your day, my friend. <laughs> Always, Mike. Talk to you soon, buddy. All right. Have a good one. All right. That was the Garage in the Sports Pit. Coming up, it's time for you to be heard. I know we had a little scheduling difficulties, but now's your time. 206-421-3776. Coming up next, I want to highlight you right here on the Paul Gallant Show. Michael Bump is filling in. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle. Welcome back to the Paul Gallant Show as Michael Bump is filling in because my boy Paul be traveling. So I'm filling in for him. Had Pete Carroll on the Danny and Gallant Show earlier, and he was asked, who's going to be the breakout player this year? Here was his response. 
Oh, I think you're going to be really excited to see Gerald Everett. Gerald Everett is a, is a guy who comes to us from the Rams out of free agency that uh, was acquired by the Rams when Shane was there. Uh, Shane was in, responsible for him, coaching him up. Um, the, this is this is the the I think the the fanciest, uh, sweetest looking receiver tight end mix that we've had. Um, he's like a wide receiver. He's got terrific after the catch, uh, run ability, really aggressive. And he's a good blocker too. And, and, and he knows the system inside and out. Man, that sounds good to me. I love me some Gerald Everett. I did a film breakdown for the Hawks film session should be out in a week or so, but I broke down some film of Gerald Everett. This guy can line up outside as a receiver. He can go in the slot. He put his hand in the dirt, like a traditional tight end. They ran screens to him. He's good after the catch. This guy's a good blocker. He's better than what people think. I think he was in the same draft class as Jan- Janu Smith, George Kittle, and uh, those two have kind of risen to the top. I like what I see out of Gerald Everett, a very versatile player. Now, how are they going to use him? You still got Will Disley. Now you have Gerald Everett. Are we going to see a lot of two tight end packages? I hope we do. You know, we heard – Russell Wilson talk, I believe the first time he talked to the press like a week ago, he says, look, man, the personnel is going to be crazy. You know, the, the way they use the field is going to be crazy. There's a lot of excitement surrounding this offense, and I think Gerald Everett is a big reason for that. you got to remember, Shane Waldron was the tight ends coach for the Rams for a while, so he knows how to use these tight ends. Obviously, Gerald Everett knows the language that Shane Waldron is bringing to the table. Everything is set up for this guy to be successful. So I'm A. I'm going out right now. I'm going to say, you know what? All you fantasy people, I'm one of them. Go ahead and get you Gerald Everett. Get him late. You don't have to get him early. Get him late. I think he's going to be available. All right, let's go to the text lines. I want to talk to the people. What we got going here? All right, 360 says, bump, J.P. Crawford, 2021 All-Star. Let's go, Seattle. Let's make that happen. Let's make it happen. J.P. Crawford, nobody was counting on this dude to have the bat that he has right now. It was all about his glove defensively. We know that he was athletic. He can get it done. But now I see some leadership out of him. I see some passion out of this young man. Let's get J.P. to the all-star game. All right, 253 says, Bum, what's your take on Gilmore? Let's trade to solidify the corner position, maybe a third rounder. I like it. Now, you have DJ Reed, you have Witherspoon over there who look like they have locked down the starting corner spots. But if you have a chance to get a guy like Gilmore, I think you go out and get him. He will bring some savviness to this defense. He'll bring some confidence to this defense. I want to remind people, do not hold what DK did against him last year. All right, DK did that to dang near everybody he lined up against. I think Gilmore still has a few years left in the tank. There's an opportunity to go get that guy. You go ahead and get him. $7 million, I believe, is what he's asking for. He's probably going to want a bit more, but there are, always, there are always ways to move money around. All right, I'm not the numbers guy. I don't crunch the numbers, but there are ways to do it. Okay, 509 says, bump. What's your stats as a receiver in today's league with Wilson throwing to you? Well, you know what? I was in a league. I only played in like eight games, and I caught five balls and a touchdown. <laughs> but put me in today's league, and I get a lot of opportunities. Man, I'm, I'm good. I'm good for a number three receiver spot. I can do my, my best David Moore impression, you know, maybe an Eskridge. We'll see what happens with him. I, I'll get mine. I will definitely get mine. The NFL is built for receivers and quarterbacks right now. You can't touch us. You can't be too rough on us. It's just it's built for us. So I would like to think, 509, that uh, I would do my thing. I would definitely do my thing. All right. 
what we got here on the text lines. Let's go with, okay, the 925. Where is that? Bump. No tight end has ever flourished under Wilson. Does not use the tight end well. Cannot see the short under routes. Flourished. Now, I know people don't like Jimmy Graham, but we cannot forget that Jimmy Graham had what? 10, 11 touchdowns one year, wasn't a great blocker, wasn't good in the run game. But in that red zone, I believe that the last year he was with the Hawks, he had the most red zone touchdowns in the NFL. I guess we can't call that flourish, but there was a tight end who really produced. Maybe this is the year. Yeah, He says, the 925 says, you know, Russell can't see the underneath stuff. Honestly, when Scheinheimer was the offensive coordinator, there wasn't a lot of underneath stuff. If you look at the film, a lot of stuff was down the field. It was there from now, now and then. I understand, you know, Russell did miss some things. No one plays a perfect football game, but I think with the concepts that are being installed and with the weapons that Russell Wilson has, he might look underneath a bit more than he usually has. All right, what else we got? We got time for one more text. Let me see. It goes, Bump, what do you think? Do I wear my Wilson jersey with pride? Or go, or do I wear my Dunbar jersey? I mean, Dunbar gone, man. Who's Dunbar with? He ain't here anymore. He's with the Giants. Who's Dunbar with, Mardu? Do you remember? Where did he end up? That's a good question. Um, I feel like it was, oh, the Lions. The Lions. Yeah, Dunbar's gone, man. Throw that thing away. Unless you're a Lions fan, then go ahead. Support your Lions. (laughs) Dunbar is gone. You wear that number three jersey. That was a bad era. We don't need that memory. It didn't didn't work out. That was rough. That was rough, man. That was rough. We need to support Russell Wilson. I understand. You know what? I understand that um, people might be in their feelings about Russell Wilson because of the offseason that happened. But this is business. All right? Let's remember, this is business. But he's here now. He is ready to work. And guess what? I am clocking out. It's been real. I appreciate you guys hanging in there with me. I will be on again tomorrow Filling in for my guy, Paul Gallant, on this hour and also in the 7 to 10 hour. I want to thank Maura Dooley for doing what she does. You guys have no idea what she does behind the scenes. This is Michael Bumpus. Jake and Stacy are coming up next. I'll highlight you tomorrow.